This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm your host here at the Worth Recovery podcast. I'm a sex addict and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. Today is episode 96 and it's a continuation of our study on step nine. If you remember, step nine says, may direct amends to such people whenever possible, such people meaning people that we caused harm. That was step eight. So step nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So far in our discussion on this step, we've talked about amends versus apologies. Why saying we're sorry isn't enough. That was episode 69. Then in episode 93, we discussed the types of amends we could make, direct, indirect, and living amends. We discussed each of these and talked about why a certain type would work maybe in a certain scenario and how they work in general. Today, in episode 96, I want to continue this discussion and I want to talk about the actual amends process, how to make an amends, how to approach an amends, and share a few of my own experiences with you as I did this process for myself. Now, a few quick things, of course, before we jump in too far here. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Worth Recovery in iTunes or the Google Play Store or in the Podbean podcast app. Our numbers of listeners continue to grow throughout the country of the United States where I live, but also around the world. So I'm just really humble and grateful for that. So make sure that you subscribe and give us a rating. Tell us what you enjoy about the Worth Recovery podcast and make sure that give us a rating in one of those apps. Uh, Just a reminder also that registration has begun for our event coming up in July. And next week, we're going to make a big announcement about this event, and I'm excited about it. It's July 15th, 2017, and it's going to be in Bothell, Washington, which is just kind of outside the Seattle area. That's not very long, ladies. It's only about seven weeks away. So make sure that you get online and get signed up. It's www.worthrecovery.com. So make sure you get your ticket now. Now, also, before we move forward, quick shout out to all of our Worth Warriors. You ladies, of course, are amazing. Thank you so much for your patronage and for your support in helping to keep this podcast free for all women in addiction, whether that's their own addiction. We have a large number of women that listen who are partners of addicts. Uh, we have a large number of women who listen who are um, not even addicts themselves, but maybe are in the ACA program or they're working in a non-program. All sorts of different things um, that list women that listen to our podcast. We also have a number of men, a growing number of men that listen to our podcast here. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you for everything that you do as Worth Warriors to help to keep this free for all women and men out there who are struggling with addiction. 
If you've been enjoying what you're learning, if you're a regular listener, you can be a Worth Warrior. Get on the website and sign up. There are some special perks and discounts, um, and you can get and be a Worth Warrior for as little as $4 a month. So make sure you get online, worthrecovery.com, and become a Worth Warrior. Now, as we jump back into this concept today of making amends, step nine, I want to reiterate just a few things before we go too far forward here. First, I do not believe that there is only one way to work these steps. Each of us is unique. Each of us has our own experiences. What worked for me might not work for you. So I want you to remember that as you listen to this. Remember that what works for one person might not work for you. And that is totally okay. As addicts, we have to start developing that filter that says what, you know, I don't have to do everything that everyone tells me to, nor do I have to practice something exactly the way that someone else does it. I'm just going to talk here from my own experiences and the experiences of those that I know in recovery, but mostly my own experiences. I'm sharing the things that have worked for me. Second, I believe that the amends process always, always, always needs to be done in consultation. Meaning that you have people you are talking to and seeking their advice throughout this process. That's what consultation means. Whether that's a sponsor, your therapist, a recovery coach, a fellow traveler, whomever it is, there needs to be consultation throughout this process. Because the nature of the process, because of the possibilities and the differences and the things that you can do, you need to have consultation. Also because I was an expert at rationalizing and at um, justifying things, and I could do that with my amends too if I wasn't careful. So it's always important to have consultation throughout this process. So those are just kind of my two disclaimers there, right? What works for me might not work for you. Also, make sure throughout the amends process you have some consultation. And I would say that's something that needs to happen throughout your life, consultation does, but particularly in the amends process. Now, I want to begin with a few literature quotes. I've got uh, the Green Book in front of me, the Sexaholics Anonymous SAA Green Book. Now, I love recovery literature. There is so much grounding that happens by using our literature as a starting point for discussion. So I'm on the, I'm in the SAA Green Book, and I am on page 48, where it talks about step nine. And I just want to read the first paragraph here to begin our discussion. It says, in taking the ninth step, we act on the knowledge that what we do really matters, that our actions have consequences in the world for good or ill. The damage we did in our addiction is cleared away not only by honestly admitting what we have done, but by committing to setting things right. Reaching out to others to acknowledge and heal the wrongs of the past brings us freedom and serenity in the present. We call this process making direct amends. In step nine, we make our best effort to contact the people we have harmed admit the wrongs we have done to them, express our remorse, and offer some kind of reparation. Most importantly, we change how we behave today. We do our utmost not to repeat the behavior that caused harm in the past, and we communicate this resolve to those we've hurt. I love close quote. So that's the quote from the book. I love this quote because it gives us a really great outline on how we actually do this process. It's kind of all one sentence here. It says, We make our best effort to contact the people we have harmed. So that's the first thing we do. Second, we admit the wrongs that we have done. Third, we express our remorse. 
Fourth, we offer some kind of reparation. And then fifth, most importantly, it says, we change how we behave today. This is kind of that living amends piece that we talked about in our last episode. So we have this five-step process. We make our best efforts to contact the people. We admit that we were wrong. We express our remorse. We offer some kind of reparation. And number five, we change how we live and how we behave today. Let's walk through this process in detail, and I'll share some examples at the end um, of how things worked out for me as I kind of followed this process and making my amends. And some of these are good and some of these are bad. I didn't take this step perfectly, for sure, not perfectly. Um, and I got better at it, at it. I got better at it as I went along, and I've definitely learned a lot. So first, the very first thing the Green Book tells us is that we make our best effort to contact the people we have harmed. So before we get into contacting them, there is kind of a pre-step here. In consultation, we have decided who it is that we are going to contact. Not everyone we have harmed needs to be contacted. It wouldn't be helpful for them or for us. So today we're going to focus on those we have decided to contact and make direct amends with. Again, seek consultation. I can't say that enough. I know I talked myself into contacting people that I had no business contacting because it would have injured them and others and possibly myself. My sponsor stopped me, thankfully. Without her guidance, I would have contacted some that would have caused additional damage. Also, another word of caution and another reason you need consultation on this step is to avoid the other extreme. There were people on my list that I did need to contact and I had talked myself out of it. (laughs) I was worried about what they would say or how they would react and I didn't need, I felt like I didn't need to contact them directly. That's what I had told myself. My sponsor helped me see that I was avoiding things as well. So seeking consultation is incredibly important throughout the steps and particularly step nine. Now, once we have decided we need to contact someone, we do it. The Green Book tells us we make our very best efforts. Now, I recommend two things here. First, a lot of prayer and consultation with our higher power. For me, people I hadn't been in contact with before came up. They friended me on Facebook when I had no way to get in contact with them. When we want to set things right, our higher power will help us and we must make our very best effort. We start by figuring out how we can contact them, whether that's by phone, social media, in person, if they are close to us. We figure out how we are going to approach them. For me, the first step was always a soft approach. So once I decided how I was going to contact them, okay, um, I kind of made a soft approach. If this is someone I haven't seen or contacted in a long time, I would send out kind of that soft approach. I've been thinking about you. It's been a while since we've connected. How are you? Something soft like that. If they responded, I would engage in a little bit of conversation and catching up. And then I would move on to the second step of this process, which is approaching the amends. Now, even if they didn't respond to my soft approach, I had to discipline myself to just approach the amends because I needed to make the amends. The Green Book tells us we admit the wrongs we have done them. If we prepared letters in step eight, like I did, you can go back and listen to step eight about the letters that I um, prepared in step eight for, for my step eight, then approaching this amends isn't difficult. I usually started with something about how I've been reflecting on my life and feel like there are some things in my past I want to apologize for and make amends. Then I would read them my list from the eighth step letter that I prepared with my sponsor. 
Because I worked with my sponsor on this list, I know I am owning what needs to be owned and not going into too much detail. That's another caution that we have to worry about in step nine. I love this recommendation from the Green Book. I'm reading again out of the SAA Green Book. This is on page 50, and it's the second paragraph. It says, quote, We are careful about how much we reveal in our amends. To those we have harmed in the past that are not close to us today, we need not explain that we are sex addicts. Revealing our disease is less important than taking responsibility for the harm we did and may actually distract us from focusing on our amends. We also use judgment about how specific we are when making the amends. Going into great detail about our sexual behavior, for instance, might do more harm than good. Instead, we can share the general pattern of our hurtful behavior, taking our cue from the person to whom we are making the amends if more detail would be helpful. We are fearless, however, in revealing those consequences of our behavior that directly affect the other person, such as if we have exposed him or her to sexually transmitted diseases. Throughout this process, we carefully examine our motives, always balancing the willingness to take full responsibility for our wrongs with care and concern for the well-being of those that we have harmed. Close quote. Now, a lot of the amends that I had to do were didn't have anything to do with my sexual behavior. And I love that this caution from the Green Book tells us, like, we don't need to reveal our addiction or our disease or our sexual behavior if that's not pertinent to what we are doing. It's important that we know that. I love this idea of being cautious and sharing pertinent and important details, but not oversharing. I have a hard time with oversharing. Sometimes we are so excited to be in recovery that we share too much. Things that people aren't quite ready to hear or accept are things that they don't need to know about our lives. In the process, we cross our own boundaries and betray ourselves. Keeping it relevant and to the point is the most successful and healthy approach. So it's important in this amends process step this number two here that we own what we need to own but that we don't reveal too much now the third step there the third um yeah third step not like the third step but you know the third step in this process the green book tells us is that we express our remorse so number one was we contact them number two we admit what we had done wrong number three we express our remorse this comes in the form of a sincere, direct apology. I apologize for the things I've done. I regret that these actions could have caused harm. I'm sorry. Those apologies are not enough on their own, but they are an essential part of the amends process. Making amends without expressing remorse and apologizing isn't, either, isn't complete either. Both of these are essential, the making amends part and the apology. Either one without the other is incomplete. I had this happen to me a while ago where I, with a woman that I coach, um, she came to me to make an amends and she said things like, I want to own the piece of this that is mine. I want to admit that I overreacted. She explained in detail how she, uh, how an exchange that we had had affected her. And it was great to see the insight. And I was really grateful that she wanted to talk through it rather than just stuff it away and become resentful. However, there was no apology. There was no, I'm sorry. At the end, it was incomplete. I felt slighted almost. She was just spouting off a bunch of facts, but with no remorse. Saying you own your peace, saying you overreacted without saying that you apologize doesn't express any type of remorse for that behavior. It's just stating facts. Make sure in this piece that you express remorse for your behavior, however that is that you want to express it. 
I regret that I did this. I apologize. I'm sorry. Whatever it is, there needs to be some expression of remorse in our amends with people. That was the third thing that the Green Book tells us we need to include. Now, fourth, we need to offer some kind of reparation. So let's get more clarification, again, from the Green Book on what reparation is. This is also on page 50. It says, quote, When setting things right, we consider what would be appropriate in each case. If we took money or property, we do our best to replace it. If our behavior has caused psychological harm to our children or others, we can offer to pay for therapy. If we were distant and neglectful, we can make ourselves available and emotionally present. Many situations are more complex than this, requiring prayer, careful thought, and consultation with our sponsor. It is often helpful to ask the people we harmed what they think we should do to make things right. We bear in mind that we can't always fully repair the harm we've done. Nothing can change the past. This does not keep us from doing our best to set things right in the present. Many of us have seen great healing occur in ourselves and our relationships from even seemingly inadequate acts of reparation. And I can testify to that. Even seemingly inadequate acts of reparation do an amazing job at healing things. In many of the amends that I did, there didn't feel like there was anything specific I could offer. In the case of stolen time or work for, from, institution, from work or institutions, I made donations um, to the institutions or to similar ones. In some cases, I went into the amends with a decided course of action to repair the damage I had done. In other cases, I went into the amends and just asked what they thought I could do to repair the damage I had caused. Either way, an essential part of amends is reparation or restitution, trying to set things right. And that's the fourth thing that the Green Book tells us we need to include in our amends process. Now, the fifth thing that is essential in the amends process, and the book says that this is the most important piece, is that we live differently. We change the way we behave today. Okay, again, let's look at page 51 in the Green Book for their clarification. In the long run, the most effective amends we can make to others and to ourselves is in our commitment to recovery. Some call this making living amends. We find we can redress the wrongs of the past by not hurting those we have harmed or anyone else in the same way again. As we complete our ninth step, we know we have done everything in our power to clean up the records of our past and move forward with our slates clean. By continuing to stay abstinent and work the SAA program, we commit to maintaining this new freedom from the consequences of our acting out. We become accountable for our behavior. Our relationships improve, both with those we have harmed in the past and with new people in our lives. We see that we are becoming better people and we begin to experience a new sense of self-worth. We feel free to live in the present and enjoy our lives, no longer having to carry a load of despair, resentment, and fear. I love that. The best thing that we can do to make amends, however the amends process goes, whether they are accepting of what we have to say or not, the most important piece of the whole process is staying in recovery, staying the path. Staying in recovery first adds to our lives. It builds hope. It builds self-value. It builds self-trust. We start to see another way of living. We start to see human beings around us and we want to connect with other people. It builds in us a desire to help others and also to value others. And then if we stay in recovery, it starts to spill out of us and it changes those around us. 
Staying in recovery allows others to also have hope, to build self-value, to build trust in us and in themselves. It allows others to see another way of living in the life that we are living. And it allows others to connect with us without getting burned. I used to view myself as burning everyone that came in contact with me like I was red hot, right? Like touching me would burn them. Like I was, um, dang, I forgot her name uh, on X-Men. You know, we're touching her skin. Anyway, okay, sorry. I got distracted there. So I used to view myself as burning everyone that came in contact with me. Now that doesn't happen anymore. And staying in recovery allows others to see their own value. The most important part excuse me, the most important part of step nine is going on to step 10, is staying in recovery no matter what. Now, I want to end this episode with sharing a few quick stories about my own amends process. Just a few. They're nothing drastic or or big, but I just want to share a few things. Um, I changed some of the names and a few minor details and the circumstances to protect everyone involved. So one of the amends I had to make was with a college roommate. When I started this process, so first of all, I was not a great roommate at all. Um, This period of time in my life, I wasn't acting out uh, sexually, but I was acting out in a lot of other ways. Um, I was mean. I was ruthless, actually. I ignored this woman. I um, left her out purposefully in a lot of different ways. There was just a lot of things that I had done. I lied to her. I lied about her. There was a lot of things that I had done that I just felt incredibly guilty about. When I started this process, I had no idea how I would find her contact information. I really was clueless. I prayed about it um, over and over again. Sometime later, she friended me on Facebook. I couldn't have foreseen that, but I knew that my higher power was involved. I reached out to her on Facebook and started a dialogue. After a brief exchange over a few days, I got the courage to make my amends. I started by just saying, I've been reflecting on our time together as roommates. And I, I want to apologize. And I started to just, I kind of in a Facebook messenger just kind of said, you know, these are the things that I see that I did wrong. And I'm really sorry about that. And I really regret my behavior. I asked if she would accept my apology, if she could forgive me, and then also what I could do to make it right. For days, I agonized over it. Because I knew she had read it, thanks to Facebook messenger. And she hadn't responded. But when she did, I was completely relieved. She apologized for things that she had done. She accepted my apology and wanted me to know that she looked back on our time with actual fondness and was really glad that I was her roommate. It was a great exchange. A few days later, she asked me for some specific details and questions about some of the things that had happened. I was scared to be honest with her and I avoided it for a while, thinking that this might change her response. But in the end, I knew that if I really wanted to be done with this, I had to be honest. And again, we had a great exchange. And that was it. We haven't picked back up on a major friendship. We haven't shared a lot of messages. But when I see her post come on Facebook, I no longer have that like pang of guilt. It's like uh, the Green Book tells us, we no longer carry a load of despair, resentment, and fear. I literally see her messages and I'm excited to read them and respond rather than have that fear, that resentment, that despair that I was holding on to. And so that was just, that's it. Nothing major, but it was a really great healing moment for me. Another amends I had to make was with an acting out partner. 
Now, this is the only one of my acting out partners I made direct amends to. And I did it because we were Facebook friends. And though we hadn't acted out together in years, it had been years since we'd acted out or really had a lot of contact, we would still comment occasionally back and forth on things in each other's lives. I figured if we were going to go on actually kind of being Facebook friends, I needed to take ownership of what I had done in our relationship. I had been praying about my amends and looking for the right opportunities to get things done. Now, the amends for this one came on a business trip. I was in town visiting the city where he lived. So he lived many states away from me, and I was in town visiting. I sat in my hotel room one night and could not stop thinking about him. Not in an obsessive, like, I want to act out way. In a, I hope he's happy, and I'm so sorry for what I did kind of way. I decided this was kind of a prompting from my higher power to to do something about it. And so I decided to take a moment and send him an email with my amends. I prayed about it first, and then I started. I explained that I was in town and that I couldn't stop thinking about him. And then I just went on and shared with him my letter. Now, because he knew about my acting out, I shared with him a little bit about my recovery. Not all the details, a little bit about what was going on for me, and a little bit that I thought would be helpful for him in my own recovery. It took some time, but I finally got a response. Though he was kind and accepting of what I had to say, he expressed his pain over what I had done in our relationship and how hurt he was over a few things that had happened. We exchanged a few more emails. It was hard. It was so hard to hear. And it was so healing at the same time. It was definitely what I needed to do. Now, we are still Facebook friends, but the amount of our interaction has definitely gone down. And I I doubt that we'll pick that back up. But when I do see his comments on Facebook or see his posts, again, I no longer carry that load of resentment, despair, fear, or anger. I know that we've resolved what we can resolve and we'll go our separate ways. And that is fine. And I'm grateful for him and for his willingness to hear my amends, to take my amends, and to be honest with me. It was really hard, but really healing. I feel like the much harder amends are those that I've done in person. Last summer, an opportunity presented itself for me to do an amends in person. Within my family, there was a big blow up, a really big argument about things. Now, I was not directly involved in the argument. It wasn't about what I had said or done or what I hadn't said or hadn't done. I was an observer though, and I was involved because what I had done or what I I kind of started the process by being honest about something. And it kind of started and snowballed into this big argument over a few days with several people. Anyway, after the whole mess went down, there was some seriously hurt parties and emotions all the way around. I was sick about it. I was so sad and broken up about the whole thing. And I still am for lots of reasons. And over the course of a few days, it became clear what needed to happen. I went to my sister and I asked to make an amends. I apologized for present things that I could have been a part of. Now, she reassured me that it wasn't my fault and that I wasn't involved in this. And then I explained that I wanted to clear any air there was between us. I went on and said, I don't want there to be anything between us from the past. I apologized for things in the past and I asked her forgiveness. Then I asked if there were other things I needed to take responsibility for that I wasn't. It was hard. It was painful. (laughs) I cried and cried (laughs) and cried. And 
things got better. Things got a whole lot better. I took this same opportunity with a few others in my family. With some, things have gotten better. With others, it is still very strained. However, I feel like I'm doing what I can. And I feel a lot of ways, again, that it was kind of a prompting from my higher power to take this opportunity to make an amends. Now, those are just three quick examples from my own life of amends that I've made. I do have examples of people where I've made an amends and never heard back from them. That's difficult. (laughs) I have people where I've made an amends and they're just unaccepting. Um, I've had people where I've made amends and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you didn't do this or... I don't remember any of that. And and all of them have their own unique flavor, their own unique good things and bad things. And I haven't made all of my amends. I still have some that I'm praying about. I still have some I'm saving money for that I owe money to. I still have some I'm holding on to and waiting for the right opportunity. It's okay. That's how this amends process work. I th- works. I think that the last paragraph in the green book about step nine sums this up perfectly. This is on this is on page 52 and it says, working step nine brings us many gifts, true empathy for those we have harmed, compassion, self-respect, and respect for the humanity of others. God willing, we may experience the forgiveness of those we have harmed. If we have been diligent in our amends, we will certainly grow in self-forgiveness too. As a result of accepting responsibility for the harm we have done, even to those who may have hurt us, we glimpse new possibilities for loving and forgiving others. Our faith in our higher power increases when we realize that we've squarely faced the wrongs in our past, made amends for them, and received the gift of a better future. The process that began in the fourth step and culminated in the ninth now becomes a part of our lives, a daily stance, a practice that will keep us sexually sober and spiritually connected. That is beautiful. I love that um, some summary summary of the ninth step and that it brings us many gifts. That has definitely been my experience. I hope that you are working on your step work and are looking forward to getting to step nine. I know many people dread it because it is that difficult step of making amends, but I truly have, have grown and had such great experiences through it. As always, ladies, as we close today, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, shameful, whatever it is, you are worth recovery. You're 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Don't forget you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even a little bit, if you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the movement. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. Now, as always, I think about you. I pray for you. I really do. And I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff.
The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.